Good morning. It is great to be here. I was back getting a drink and taking care of other things, and it was raining outside, so um, it is a good morning. Uh, So this is the first Sunday in June, which means it's the start of a new quarter in our Bible classes. So you'll find on the front of your bulletin a list of the adult Bible classes that will be offered this quarter. I really want to encourage every one of you to take a look at that list and pick one of those classes and stay after worship service and be part of a Bible class. It's important that you do so. Kathy and I get to teach the fourth and fifth graders this summer up in Journeyland. We're always excited to do that. That's always a time of renewal and refreshment for us as we get to interact with our fourth and fifth graders. So we're very much looking forward to that. I'm also excited to be able to continue to work our way through the book of Romans. This morning we'll be in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. This will be a great time to open your Bibles and turn there. Romans chapter 12. As we near the end of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, we see that Paul has turned his attention to helping them and to helping us understand that encountering and accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot and must not leave us unchanged. The gospel doesn't leave us where we were, and the gospel doesn't leave us who we were. The gospel takes us to a new place and it gives us a new identity. Paul put it this way in the second verse of Romans chapter 12 when he said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No longer conformed, but transformed. No longer a perfectly fitting piece in this world's puzzle. Not conformed to what the world calls us to, but transformed into who God has called us to be. And last week we saw that part of that transformation into who we are called to be is a transformation in the way we think. In the way we think about ourselves and in the way we, that we think about our own importance. And Paul told us that when we have a clear view of the gospel, we don't think too highly of ourselves. I mean, after all, we are all sinners, and we're all completely dependent on God's mercy. And we are each just one part of the body of Christ, and we belong to and we are dependent on all the other parts of the body. So we can't think too highly of ourselves. But on the other hand, when we have a clear view of the gospel, we don't think too lowly of ourselves. After all, we are saved sinners. We are loved and valued by God. And we are a vital part of the body of Christ. And all the other parts of the body are dependent on us, so we can't think too lowly of ourselves. After all, God values us. And he values us enough that he's given each one of us vital gifts and abilities to use in service of his church. So transformed thinking recognizes that we have value. But it also recognizes that that value comes from God. And that value is to be used in service to God. And today we're going to see that it's not just our thinking that needs to be transformed It's also our actions that need to be transformed. 
And that's why Paul now turns his attention to transformed love. And when it comes to the way that we love others, Paul is going to tell us that we should no longer love others in ways that conform to the pattern of this world. He says instead we should love in ways that reflect the way that we have been transformed. Transformed love instead of conformed love. What does that look like? What does conformed love look like? What does love that conforms to the pattern of this world look like? Well, first of all, that conformed love is superficial. Conformed love is surface love. Conformed love may be a mile wide, but it's only an inch deep. It's there in good times, but not in bad. It's there for richer, but not for poorer. It's there in health, but not in sickness. It springs to life quickly, but dies just as suddenly. Conformed love is superficial. And conformed love is also selective. Conformed love likes to pick and choose who to love. It loves the lovable, but not the unlovable. It loves those who look and sound and act and think a lot like us, but not those who are different than us. Now, conformed love is superficial and it's selective, but it's also self-centered. See, conformed love not only picks and chooses, it picks and chooses to love people based on what they can do for us. We love others because of what they can bring to us. Maybe it's money or status or maybe it's sex. Maybe it's approval. Maybe it's ego stroking. See, in many ways, conformed love is easy love because it's love that benefits us. And it's also love that causes us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Love that conforms to the pattern of this world is superficial and it's selective and it's self-centered. But love that is transformed by the gospel looks nothing like that. So listen to Paul as he describes transformed love. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Paul writes this. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's a completely different picture of love, isn't it? There's nothing superficial about transformed love. Now, transformed love is a mile wide, but it's also a mile deep. It's devoted love. 
And transformed love isn't selective, is it? Transformed love shows love to friends and to enemies. It shows love to those who bless us and to those who persecute us. And transformed love is other-centered instead of self-centered. Transformed love is shown to those in high positions and those in low positions. It's shown to those who are rejoicing in their good fortune and it's shown to those who are mourning their losses. Transformed love is a different kind of love than the love that's practiced by the world. And to see just how different, let's dig even deeper into what Paul says about transformed love. And one of the things that we notice as we read this scripture is that Paul is adamant about transformed love. He's adamant that transformed love isn't optional. He says transformed love is imperative. Paul says we must love others. He says we must love others and that love must be sincere. Or phrased somewhat differently, we must love others and our love must not be hypocritical love. What Paul is saying is that our actions we take towards others must match what is in our heart. See, conformed love says that it's okay to put up a veneer of pleasantness. Transformed love says it's okay to put up this, this uh, facade of niceness. Put up a veneer and a facade all the while while harboring dislike and hate in our hearts. See, transformed love excludes that kind of love, that kind of phony love. The kind of love that's nice to the face of people, but disliking those people in our hearts. The kind of love that acts loving when they're in the room, but gossips about them when they leave. Transformed love excludes that phony love. And it also excludes empty love. That's the kind of love that's quick to say, I love you, but won't lift a finger to help you. So Paul's first imperative is that transformed love must be sincere. It must not be phony. It must not be empty. And Paul's second imperative is that transformed love must be true to God's will. Paul says that in order to love others correctly, we must also hate correctly. That's kind of hard to swallow, isn't it? See, the truth is, conformed love, love that's based and driven by just emotion... It often distorts our our perception, our view of good and evil. See, if our love is conformed to the pattern of the world, we can find ourselves singing right along with that old tune, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You young people, you know, ask your parents about that song. (laughs) Conformed love. Conformed love leads us to dangerous rationalizations, doesn't it? So we can convince ourselves that our sinful behavior is right because it's motivated by love, but that love is self-centered love. And conformed love can lead us to dangerous compromises. 
We can convince ourselves that someone else's sinful behavior is acceptable or it can be overlooked because we love them. Because we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to hurt our relationship with them. But Paul says that transformed love, love that's transformed by the gospel, must be horrified by what God calls evil. And must cling to, must be attached to, must be super glued to what God calls good. Which means that transformed love must want what is truly best for others. Even when that requires us to lovingly point out faults. Even when it requires us to confront sin. So Paul says the second imperative of transformed love is that it must be true to God's will. We can't love correctly without also hating correctly. We must not rationalize. We must not compromise. Paul's third imperative is that transformed love must love the unlovely, must love those in low positions, must love those who aren't easy for us to love. See, conformed love says it's okay to love sporadically. It's okay to love selectively. It's okay to only love those who are lovable. It's okay to only love the people who look and sound and think like us. It's okay to only love the people that we're naturally drawn to. But Paul says we must love even the people that we don't naturally like. Hold on a minute. We just said that love must be sincere. How can we love people we don't like and still call that sincere, unhypocritical love? And Paul's answer to that is, you can't. At least you can't do that on your own. It's only in view of God's mercy to us. It's only in the shadow of the cross. It's only because of the gospel that we're able to sincerely love those who are unlovely to us. That's the story of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. See, as we reach out to actively love the unlovely, God's working on us. God's working to soften our hearts. God's working to transform our thoughts and transform our attitudes towards those we are having a hard time loving. And if we don't grasp and we don't live the gospel, we can't do this. Merely nice people can't do this. Being just nice won't work. No, we must be transformed by God. Only people who understand that Jesus loved us and Jesus died for us when we were unlovely. Only those transformed by Jesus' sacrifice are able to love those they don't naturally like. We must love the unlovely. We must not love sporadically, must not love selectively. So transformed love must be sincere and it must be true to God's will and it must love the unlovely. Paul says those things are imperative. But there's more to this passage than just those imperatives. 
Paul also provides us with four characteristics, four recognizable features of transformed love. So how do you recognize transformed love? How do you recognize it in yourself? How do you recognize it in others? Well, first of all, transformed love is doggedly committed to each other. And Paul put it this way. He says, transformed love is devoted to one another in brotherly love. We love our fellow Christians as if we are related. Because we are related. We know how committed family love is, don't we? You've probably heard or been a part of conversations that sounded something like this. Why don't you just give up on him? Well, because he's my son. Why do you keep helping her? Because she's my sister. Why do you keep on giving him chance after chance after chance? Because he's my brother. Family love is doggedly committed to those in the family. And transformed love in the church looks the same. That's the way we recognize way we recognize conformed love. The second way that we recognize conform, I mean, transformed love, the second characteristic of transformed love is that it puts others first. As Paul says, transformed love honors others above ourselves. Transformed love is not self-centered. It is other-centered. Transformed love is focused more on the needs of others than it is on our own needs. And that's not easy to do. And the only way we can consistently put other people's needs before our own is if we truly recognize the importance and the value of the other. See, we're able to honor others as important when we recognize that they are created in the image of God. That's God's child standing before you. And we're able to honor our fellow Christians as precious and valuable when we recognize that Christ himself, through the presence of the Spirit, has taken up residence in our brothers and sisters. That's the temple of God standing in front of you. So the second way we recognize transformed love is it values others. It puts their needs before our own. And the third characteristic of transformed love is that it is patient. Paul says transformed love never lacks zeal, always keeps its spiritual fervor, it's joyful in hope, it's patient in affliction, it's faithful in prayer. You know, I think that may be the best description ever of what it takes to be committed to each other. What it takes in the church to continue to value and serve each other in love. See, the truth is, transformed love is hard. Transformed love requires us to be in it for the long haul. It requires us to use all of our spiritual resources to keep from giving up on each other. It's hard. And to do that, we have to be zealous about the gospel. We have to be fervent in our desire to serve. We have to be hopeful when things seem hopeless. 
We have to be patient when we see no end in sight. We have to be faithful in prayer when we aren't hearing any answers. See, if we're going to give our hearts to our brothers and sisters, if we're going to give our hearts to each other, we're going to need all the zeal that we can muster. We're going to need all of the hope, all of the patience, and all of the prayer that we can have in order to keep on loving them through the good times and the bad. See, and they're going to need those same things in order to keep on loving us because oftentimes we're hard to love. So the third way we recognize transformed love is that love is patient. And the fourth and final characteristic of transformed love is that it combines feeling with actions. Transformed love isn't all about emotion, but it also isn't all about actions. It's about feelings and actions. Paul put it this way. He said, transformed love shares with God's people who are in need. It practices hospitality and it rejoices with those who rejoice and it mourns with those who mourn. So transformed love empathizes. Literally, it shares others' feelings. It rejoices with them. It mourns with them. Our brothers' and sisters' feelings become our own feelings. We share in their feelings. But it doesn't end there. We also share our resources with our brothers and sisters who are in need. See, transformed love shares our time, it shares our money, it shares our homes. We share our resources because not only do their feelings become our feelings, but their needs become our needs. Transformed love can be recognized because it combines feelings with actions. That all sounds really good, doesn't it? And that often works very well when we're dealing with brothers and sisters in the church who want to get along with each other. Who are trying to live in harmony with each other. But Paul knows that not everybody wants to live in harmony. He knows that not everybody is being transformed by the gospel. He knows that not everybody's love is being transformed by the gospel. He knows that people who are of the world... Love in ways that conform to the world. So Paul knows. He knows that even when we practice those three imperatives, even when we exhibit those four characteristics of transformed love, he knows that we're still going to have enemies. So Paul leaves us with some truths about loving our enemies. Here's what Paul has to say about how transformed love responds to enemies. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. He says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He says, do not take revenge. He says, if your enemy is hungry... Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. 
And he ends by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, there are at least three profound truths about loving enemies that Paul gives us as he talks about loving our enemies. And the first truth is, he tells us that if we hate a person who wrongs us, if we respond to evil with evil, if we repay their evil with evil of our own, Paul tells us they win. He tells us they win because we have conformed to the pattern of the world. And not only do they win, he tells us that if we try to overcome their evil with evil of our own, if we take revenge, evil wins. And finally, he tells us that when we keep on loving our enemies, when we refuse to exact revenge, when we share our resources and provide for their needs, when we live out transformed love, he tells us that we avoid getting infected with their evil. Evil doesn't win. Evil doesn't overcome. We avoid the disease of conformity, of conforming to the pattern of this world. And not only do we avoid getting infected with conformity, we might just provide our enemy with a cure. We might provide him with a cure of transformation. That phrase in there about heaping burning coals on enemies' heads has always been kind of strange to me, Right? I mean, it can sound like by doing good to other people, that's a really clever and sneaky way to punish them for what they've done. That's not what Paul is talking about. What Paul is saying is that you're placing overwhelming power into their life. When you do good to those who hate you, when you respond to evil with good, you're placing overwhelming power, the overwhelming power of transformed love into their lives. And it's irresistible. It isn't easily ignored. Transformed love is powerful. It can't be ignored. It can't be denied. And that's how good overcomes evil. That's how hate is transformed into love. It's the gospel love that's in action. Because it's only transformed love, it's only the gospel love that can transform conformed love into transformed love. It's only in view of God's mercy. It's only in the shadow of the cross. It's only when we grasp the gospel that our love is not only transformed, but it's also transforming. So I want to just leave you with this. May we never forget that we love because he first loved us. And may we never forget that we are patient because he is patient with us. And may we always remember that we don't have to win when it comes to conflict. We don't have to win because the victory has already been won. And may our enemies learn the transforming love of the gospel. May they learn it because we first loved them. No wonder Paul isn't ashamed of the gospel. 
May we never be ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, help us to love the way that you have called us to love. Keep us from conforming to the love of the world. Transform our love so that it looks like your love for us. So that we'll put others first. So that we'll truly want what is best for them. So that we'll respond to hate with love. That we'll respond to evil with good. Father, work through us and work through our love so that others may be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and to the image of his love. Father, this is our prayer through Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. I want to leave you with our uncomfortable challenge. This is uncomfortable challenge number 23. This is an others first challenge. Your challenge this week is to go out of your way to put others' interests before your own. Do this at home. Do this at work. Do this while you're driving on the roads. Do this in the stores. Do this online. Do this on the phone. Do this at church. Do this everywhere where you are. Everywhere where you have a presence. Go out of your way to put other people's interests ahead of your own. May our love be transformed, and may our love be transforming. Let's all stand and sing about love.